put it up, you put it up, and if not, no way. We're going to wrap it first, and we're going to wrap it first. Thank you. 
up. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and just thank Him for His grace. Father God, I just come before you this morning. I just thank you for this great time of being able to come together and fellowship in your house. We've had a, a great time at breakfast and in Sunday school, and now we're gathered here today to, to worship you in here. And as we study in Sunday school, Lord, we need to humble ourselves under your mighty hand so that, that all will go well with for us and glorify you. Father, I pray that that's what we do here today, that we will truly humble ourselves, present ourselves into your authority, and allow you to speak to us in such a way that we are better and you are glorified. God, I pray your will to be done in your house today, and may everything we say and do glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. It's a beautiful day outside. I know it started out a little chilly, but praise God, we're in God's house, and we're just going to lift His name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Walk around a second. Give somebody a hug. Shake their hand, something. Just let them know it's good to see them in God's house this morning. <laughs>
Uh, Sherry and my family's not here, as you can see. It's uh, I'm not on still. It's, I don't think it's muted. Can you hear me now? Oh, that's am I that that weird guy for Sprint? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Or he's not Sprint anymore, is he? Or, oh, he's for Sprint now. Okay, there we go. There we go. I just need some black glasses. All right. The um, just a few announcements here. As you can see, Sherry and my family's not here. They're uh, uh, today's Candy's birthday, so they they stayed home. But because of that, be, be, because the, they're not here, there's one thing that I f- failed to get back there on the back table for you. So I'm just going to verbally do it right now. The, in the business meeting last week, if you wasn't able to come to the business meeting or wasn't able to stay for the business meeting, we had a a great fellowship, a great business meeting. But one of the things that was presented. Uh, needs to be placed on the back table for a couple of weeks, and that is that a motion was made that's going to actually change one of the bylaws in our bylaws. Now, to change a bylaw means it's got to be presented to you guys in writing for at least two weeks before we come back together to vote on it. I will have that back there on the table this following week. I had a lot of uh, plumbing issues at my home this weekend, so there's a lot of things I've failed to do, but I will get that next weekend. But the bylaw change is this. Right now in our Bylaws, it states that we will have a bi-yearly business meeting every year and dates. I don't have it exactly in front of me. And the, the motion was to change to a yearly business meeting and let the staff continue to do as they've been doing each month, addressing any issues. So the bylaw change will go from a bi-yearly business meeting to a yearly business meeting. Now that will be in writing. It will be on the back table, uh, official, so you can see the, the a bylaw that is there now, then the proposed change. And they will be on the back table for at least, the bylaws say for at least two weeks. So he'll be back there at least two weeks, and then we will pronounce a uh, special called meeting to vote on that. Also, within that special called meeting, uh, we'll probably, hopefully, be voting on a moderator for our business meetings. That was brought up in the business meeting as well. I have been filling in as moderator the last several business meetings. And technically, it's supposed to be the pastor fills in when the moderator cannot make it. We do not have a moderator. So if you are familiar with Robert's Rules of Order uh, in a little bit and would like to uh, come and talk to me about that, uh, let me know because I'm looking at, at who we can put out there to, uh, who, who would like to fill that position of moderator for us. And then we can vote on that as a church as well. So those things will be coming up. And it will be in writing on the back table. Again, I said at the business meeting last Sunday that I would have it in writing for this week. And we just got sidetracked with a lot of other things. And uh, with Sherry not being here this morning, I couldn't put her on it at the last minute type thing. So it's not here. So I'll have it next week. As far as that goes, that's the, that's the, 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 the housekeeping serious stuff there, the fun stuff now. Next Sunday evening, there will be no church service per se, no Bible study. But we're going to gather at the church because that's Super Bowl Sunday. And Sherry put in here, Super Bowl. And, and, and that's what it's going to be. You time to bring soup. We're just going to bring your lawn chairs, if you like. or your One year, somebody brought their for real their chair out of their living room and brought it in there, whatever it is, so we can sit up. We're just going to have the, the football game projected on the, on the wall back there and hopefully watch Atlanta win. I don't see it happening, but I hope. And uh, just have a good time. Uh, just fellowshipping together. Uh, there's going to be the Connect Four Marathon over here with Chris and any other games you'd like to bring. There's a small list on your in your bulletin there, but one of the things that uh, I want to make sure to, to throw out there, soup and snacks. I know I'm going to be making venison chili. You're welcome to come and have some of the venison chili. Somebody's making potato soup. Bring whatever soup is that you like to make as well. Bring some soup. I heard somebody mentioning last week, I don't know if they still are, was talking about making clam chowder. I haven't had, I don't know if I've ever had homemade clam chowder, to be quite honest with you. I, I've had the open the can stuff, but I don't know if I've had any real clam chowder. That kind of makes my mouth water. Um, but soup, snacks, and sodas. If you'd like to bring some sodas and things of that nature, it's just going to be a great time for us. Just everybody kind of bring stuff, throw it together, and sit around and watch the football game next Sunday evening. Everybody's invited. If you're just going to sit at home and watch the football game anyway, come on down to the church and have some more people to hoot and holler for. And if you want New England to win, you're still welcome to come. You just got to sit outside. All right. No, I'm just 
In the rain, yeah, in the rain. Make it feel real. Actually, they're playing Houston this year, so closed dome. Seriously, just come on down uh, and, and let's have a good time next Sunday evening. I, I have a strong feeling there was something else I was supposed to announce, but I can't remember what it was. And without Sherry here to tell me what it was, my mind kind of goes uh, blank. So I'm just going to leave it at that and run with that ball. And Bob's going to fill in for us. Oh, and let me say this too. John, this was John's day to have the scripture reading, but he twisted his leg real bad yesterday, I was told. And he said he wasn't going to make it in today. So Bob's going to fill in for him. But remember him when you pray, uh, too, that his leg gets to feeling better. Come on up, brother. Holy clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Father God, I do lift up my brother to you and just ask in the name of Jesus that you'll just bless his willingness to, to fill in at a moment's notice such as this and that he just wants to give you glory. So God, thank you for a young man willing to stand in front of others and just share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, son. So when Frank asked me if I would fill in this morning, I told him I had something that I could do, but... I'm probably going to lose some man points with some of y'all for this, so, uh, okay, so, to get this started, um, we're going to go ahead and hit the scripture first, I think, so, uh, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 5, through 32, and I told Momo she didn't have to put this up if she didn't want to, because it's a really popular set of scripture, so, um, <laughs> I ask you not to tune it out because we're going to look at it in a little bit different way this morning. So, uh, it says, "Wives submit to your own hu- wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as the church." Just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for who... For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of the holy body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. But this mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. So... Like I said, popular, we've all heard that set before, but we're going to look at it a little bit different today. So why I told Frank I was going to lose some man points in this is because the whole idea of this came about from a movie. And so the pretty much the whole movie is about a husband that dies, but after he dies... He still takes care of his wife. He arranges to have different things done so that the wife is taken care of. She can deal with his death and move on with her life and still pursue her dreams and stuff. So, obviously, sounds like a chick flick. It was, I'll admit. So, there you go. I lost my man points there. But, this is what I was saying. We're going to look at this a little different because... If you look here, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The thought of this is that Christ's love for us and taking care of us didn't stop at his death on the cross. He took care of us even after his death. He continues to take care of us. So in the same way, we should be taking care of our families and our loved ones, making sure that we're taking care of them, not just while we're here, but even after we're gone. So with that in mind, I just... I guess I want to have us all consider, are we taking care of our families in that way? Are we taking care of our wives, our husbands, our children? Are we taking care of them so that when we're not here, they're still cared for and taken care of? Y'all pray with me real quick. 
Lord, we thank you for all you provide us for us. We thank you for the love and care that we have received from not just our biological families, but from our church bodies as well. And we ask you, Lord, to be with us as we go through our days and just to help us to consider how our actions and how our plans affect those around us and to be gracious with ourselves and our possessions because all of it comes from you anyways, Lord. We just thank you for all you do for us, and we ask you to be with this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. I don't have any wings, but I'm looking forward to the day that Jesus teaches me to fly. And uh, the Bible gives us a promise in, 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 the, in the New Testament that when the last trumpet sounds that um, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we that are alive will rise to join to meet him in the air. And that's going to be a great time of celebration for us to be able to see all those loved ones who went before, get to, get to be with them. And that's such a great promise that we have that the world can't claim because they don't have that promise with us. But let's join in um, grateful appreciation that someday we're going to fly away. One, two, three, four. Some glad morning when this life is over, Fly away, fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away when I die, hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away when. The shadows of this life have gone I'll fly away, fly away. Like a bird from prison bars is flown I'll fly away, I'll fly away, I'll fly away Oh glory, I'll fly away When I die, hallelujah, by and by I'll fly away Oh, how glad and happy when we meet I'll fly away No more cold iron shackles on my feet I'll fly away I'll fly away Oh, glory I'll fly away when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. To a land where joy shall never rain, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I will bow down. I will bow down. 
and hail you as king. Hail you as king. I will serve you. I will serve give you. Give you everything. Everything. And I will lift up. I will lift up my eyes to your throne. My eyes to your throne. And I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you alone. Trust you alone. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will worship. With all of my heart, all of my heart, I will praise you. I will praise you with all of my strength, all of my strength, and I will seek you. I will seek you all of my days, all of my days, and I will follow. I will follow all of your ways, all of your ways. I will give. You all my worship, I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my Seeking you as a precious jewel, 
Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You were my all in all. holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God the glory this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Psalms, first of all. We're going to have several different passages this morning. Quite a few passages. In fact, those of you who write notes and like to write down the scriptures, get your pencils ready. We're going to have a a few that we're going to go to today probably. However, primarily we're going to be in the book of Psalms, Psalms 94. Psalms 94. And also we're going to be in Jeremiah a few times if you want to be looking that up in your table of contents if you're not sure where it's at. So Psalms 94. I want to share with you today a topic that the Lord has not had me addressed from behind the pulpit in quite a few years. In fact, the last time I addressed this from the pulpit, I had a couple leave the church, stating that I had turned the pulpit into a political platform. And I would share with you that I disagreed then, and I still disagree today. This is God's word. Now, I pray this morning that you'll hear me out and hear what the scripture has to say today. But in Psalms 94... Starting in verse 20. Psalms 94, starting in verse 20. Listen to what the scripture says. Can a corrupt throne, one that creates trouble by law, become your ally? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Again, notice what it says there. Can a corrupt throne, one that creates trouble by law, become your ally? In other words, speaking to God, God, can can someone who is corrupt really become your ally? One that creates trouble by law, can they become your ally? I'm going to say something this morning that may first offend some, but as I said earlier, I pray that you will will hear me out throughout the whole thing. And even though the message this morning may be fairly brief, I do believe the scriptures will bear me out. And that is this. Abortion is actually murder in disguise. It truly is, guys. And if you don't believe that, I pray that you'll listen to what the Scripture says this morning. And let's say that you do, then I would like you to listen then so that you can present this argument to others, that you can present the Scriptures to others. Some of the questions that tend to arise is, what is an abortion? Who chooses abortion? Why is there abortion? First of all, let me say this. There is a lot of terminology thrown out there. There is a lot of vernacular given out there to try to confuse the issue as to what an abortion actually is. Abortion is the ending of a a pregnancy before birth that results in the death of the unborn. It's just that simple, guys. No matter how many scientific terms you want to present into that argument, no matter how many different ways you want to approach the argument, in layman's terms, it's really simple. Abortion is the ending of a pregnancy before birth, resulting in the death of the unborn. That's what abortion is. Who chooses an abortion? There's quite a few different people who do. The fact actually is that the the law has gotten so so watered down that stipulates who can authorize an abortion that that just about anyone from a a school teacher to a practicing physician can authorize an abortion nowadays. The, the, The liberal ideology, the laws have been made it to where the abortion is really no more than the common cold. Just about anyone can take anybody else and say that this is what needs to happen and present it as as such as being their primary physician of some sort. A high school nurse 
cannot give a 17-year-old girl Tylenol because she has a headache without parental consent. But yet, in many states, a 14-year-old child can go and have an abortion and their parents never even be told. We have watered down the ideology of what an abortion is to no more than a common cold in many circles. And again, I would stress to you that, mur- that, that abortion is really murder in disguise. It is of infinite proportion. It is by far more than just a common cold. Now, what are some of the reasons uh, that people pursue abortions? There, there's, uh, they're not ready to become parents yet. They cannot afford a baby. Or, or maybe they don't want to be single parents. Or the one, that, one of the things I hear oftentimes is they don't want anyone to know that they're sexually active. Well, let me say this this morning. I, I, I will say to you this morning that I am pro-choice. I am. I am pro-choice. But the choice that, that I am pro, the choice that is being made, is before. The choice that I am speaking about is before the child is conceived. You have a choice and a decision to make before you get into those acts. If you don't want anyone to know that you're sexually active, then don't become active. It's just that simple, guys. Don't choose that pathway, and then you don't have to choose these extreme consequences on the other side. In the text this morning, the psalmist asks a question, and I think he asks it very eloquently and very powerfully, Can a corrupt throne, one that creates trouble by law, truly become your ally, God? Can it truly be an ally of yours? Think about that for just a minute. Because I have to ask you this. If we as a people dwell in the midst of this storm, in the midst of all the abortion laws and in the midst of all the things, and we stay silent, Do we not then become a part of that throne that God's not going to ally himself with? If we choose to stay quiet and say, well, that's a political issue, that's a political hot button, that's not a socially acceptable conversation. As Christians, I have to go back to that question that the psalmist asked, can those of the corrupt throne truly be your ally? I think we need to ask ourselves, if we choose to just stay out of the argument then can we truly be Christ's ally if Christ says that this is something that we shall not do? And that's the argument I want to present to you this morning. The scripture shows that this is not ordained by God. Abortion is not something that should be treated as a common cold. Not voicing out for the shedding of of innocent blood has consequences, folks. And I have to ask, can God ally himself with that? And I don't think anyone can argue against the innocent blood aspect. That is blood that that child has not been allowed to be born to come into the world and do anything to anyone. That is innocent blood. And if we choose to keep our mouths shut, then are we not a part of the corrupt throne? And if we're a part of the corrupt throne, then how can we ally ourselves with God? I think that's a question that many churches and many Christians and individuals need to ask themselves. You know, many people did not speak out in 1973, and because of that, Roe v. Wade, that case was won, and now we have the abortion numbers as we do. According to the CDC, I couldn't find results for 2016 as of yet, but according to the CDC, in in 2015, just in the United States, cases that were reported, I don't know if everybody reports, but those that were reported to the CDC in 2015, just in the United States, 1,058,000 abortions. That's in the U.S. alone. That's just here in our continental U.S. The word of God has expressed, thou shalt not commit murder. And when you look at the word murder there, that word entails the shedding of innocent blood. That means thou shalt not take innocent blood. If we believe that, but yet sit by and keep our mouth shut, we may not be able to stop it individually. But we are capable in this country to vote. We are capable in this country to make a stand. And I put it on the back of your bulletin because I I thought that was incredibly awesome. For the first time, our vice president, a sitting vice president, addressed the Right to Life march this past week. Hallelujah. Somebody of power finally stepping out there. The word of God says, thou shalt not murder. How many of us will look at the scriptures? How many Christians say, oh yeah, I believe the scriptures. I hate what God hates. 
but then when it comes down to having to talk about it, we keep our mouth shut. Do we really hate it that much? I mean, we'll go around and talk about how bad we hate Coke Zero. We'll use those words. I hate that Coke. I hate chicken livers. That's gross. I know Miss Lou likes them, but ooh. We'll talk about things we hate. But yet when it comes to something God hates, something as, as, as powerful as the shedding of innocent blood, how many times have we sh- sh- clammed up or went and just left and walked away or to, went to a different conversation rather than speaking out? And I'm not saying you have to be militant. I'm not saying you have to be ugly about it. I'm not saying that we have to go out and, and act like a lot of people do and burn cars and flip buildings. Flip buildings, that'd be a good one. But, but you know what I'm talking about. We don't have to act like that, but we should say something. Why are we ever so silent about these, these horrific acts being at, committed around us, folks? If we truly want to be allied with God, if we truly hate what God hates, then we should say something about it. You know, in the early 1970s, most states uh, uh, prohibited abortion except under special circumstances, such as to save the life of the mother or something like that. However, January 23, 1973, that all changed. And I want to share this with you. This is what they said. This is the, the, one of the outsurps of that. It says, Roe v. Wade decision states that the right of privacy is implied in the United States Constitution and allows a woman to decide for herself if she will have an abortion. It says nothing in that decision about the rights of that child. And if the, that decision carries so much weight, Shouldn't it have addressed the rights of everyone that was being decided upon? But it did not. Therefore, those who are going to stand for its rights should do so vociferously. My words are getting messed up here. With power. There we go. We should be standing out there and speaking. We should be proclaiming. We should not be hiding. If we are Christians, we should not be allying ourselves to a rebellious throne, because the question has to be asked, can God ally himself with us at that point? Now hear me out this morning. My question to the many that believe that they have that right, that they can choose that right, it's very simple. Do you not know, as Christians I'm saying, if you are a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit once you've accepted Jesus Christ. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has moved in, and the Bible goes on to say that you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And He says, therefore, He goes on to say that you'll know my people because they'll follow me, they'll hear my voice. They will be doing what I've called them to do. If we've truly been washed by the blood of the Lamb, Christ moves within us, and we're going to want to do what Christ tells us to do. But Christ said, do not hamper any of the little ones coming on to me. It's better that a millstone be tied about their neck and they be thrown into the depths of the ocean than to hamper a child from coming on to me. Let me share with you this this morning, that through abortion there are a whole lot of children that's not coming on unto the Lord. As Christians, we need to stop and realize, I have been bought with a price. This body has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I should go forth into the world and do what God has called me to do to the best of my ability, humbling myself to His name and proclaiming His righteousness and giving Him glory. Now, there are many arguments about abortion. And through the Holy Spirit, I just, I just want to make one this morning. I just want us to look at just a, a little bit of, of, of this. And the, the argument I want to make this morning is that abortion is wrong in the sight of God. Back there in that psalm, it says, if I am a part of a rebellious throne, can I ally myself with God? Can God ally himself with those who purposely use the law to do bad things? And I would share with you this morning, this argument is very quick, and you might want to write these scriptures down. But abortion is wrong in the sight of God. And the first one is, is Exodus twenty thirteen: Thou shall not murder. Thou, and you can put that in modern day English, thou shall not shed innocent blood. I don't think you can get any more innocent than the blood of babies. Thou shall not shed innocent blood. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 5. This is one that Miss Carla quotes quite often. But he says it very clearly. He sees children in the womb. He makes plans in the womb. He said, before I 
formed thee. Before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Before you ever came out of the womb, God is saying, I knew who you were. I know who you will be, and I know what you will do. While you were still in the womb, I had plans for you. God knows every number on the hairs of our head, the hairs on our head or the lack thereof. He knows every bit of it. While we're still in the womb, I believe that. I believe that as a Christian. When I look at God's Word, I believe it with all that I am. I believe that we shall not shed innocent blood. I believe that He knows us in the womb. And I also believe when He gives us the warning, He gives us a very uh, strong warning when He tells us that a, that a baby has a living soul. In Exodus, in fact, flip over to Exodus. In Exodus chapter 21. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 22, I, didn't, I don't know if I told them in the sound box. Exodus 21, 22 says this. When men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman, so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him, and he must pay according to the judicial assessment. However, if there is injury, then you must give life for life. In other words, if you kill that child, you hit, even if it was an accident, that child in that mother's womb is a child. And if that child's life is lost, then your life is lost. Now, I understand this is Old Testament. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But do you see the value and the importance that God puts on that unborn living soul? God says that child has just as much right to live as you do. You take that life, then you should use your, lose yours. The unborn is a living soul. And for that cause, God made provisions. In fact, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah 20, 17 Look at what he says here. Because he, in 2017, yeah. Because he didn't kill me in the womb, so that my mother might have been my grave, her womb shall be eternally pregnant. The womb is not to be a graveyard. The womb is to create life. The womb was created by God to create more of us. Abortion is murder, folks. Yes, it's disguised and colloquialisms. It's disguised in scientific jargon. It's disguised in, in being a social aspect. It's, dis, it's disguised in the idea that a woman can choose. I do so agree. A woman can choose prior to that point. But what I would present to you this morning is that God sees the life inside the womb as a child. There's many different avenues of argument, but inside that womb, it's not just and uh, egot, I think it's called, zygot, there it is. It's not just a fetus. It's not just a clump of tissue. It's a child that God has created. Now, let me say this. The scriptures I'm sharing with you this morning are Old Testament. I understand that. And people say, but there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there is. But the change... Though there is a difference in the way God presents himself here and there, the one thing that does not change between the Old Testament and the New Testament is God's idea of who that child is. That baby was still created by Christ. It was still created by God. That child is still loved and respected by God. It's still just as pertinent, powerful, and important to God in the Old Testament as in the New Testament. The thing that changes between the Old and the New is the way God may deal with those who have done something wrong with that child. I understand there's somebody that's possibly went through that process. And abortion, those who have gone through abortion, and I know quite a few people who have, has had this burden of guilt hanging over them. Some would argue against it for years before they finally would accept it. But there's a burden of guilt. And there are those who are maybe looking for, a, for an answer to that torment. I would share with you this morning that that answer is in the New Testament and that answer, that person, that being, is Jesus Christ. Though the Old Testament may have said a life for a life, that's how God still deems the child, but now in the New Testament, He gives you a chance that to get rid of your life by putting your life into His hands. That's the difference in the New Testament, is Christ has made a pathway. I would tell folks that Jesus is now 
the answer. In 1 John 1, 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and true and just to wash and forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. That's the New Testament message. It doesn't change the fact that God still loves that child that's in the womb. It doesn't change that God still looks to that child in the womb and has plans for the child in the womb. What has changed is the punishment to those that have harmed that child. If they choose to turn from their sin and give to God and say, I am sorry. Psalms 86.15 says that we serve a God who is, is full of compassion, graciousness, and patience, and filled with mercy to those who have turned their back upon Him. Hallelujah. An abundance of truth and mercy is what the psalmist says. We have a God who says, you did wrong. That child in the womb was important to me. That child was just as important to me as your life. However, I have compassion, I have mercy, and no sin is greater than any other sin. Sin is sin is sin. If you will turn from that sin and look to me and with a broken heart ask forgiveness, I will forgive you and keep you and take you in to be one of my own. The, the viewpoint of God upon the child between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I'm so sick of that argument, has not changed. There are those out there who try to say they know their Scripture and use the Scripture to try to say that that was just an Old Testament custom. God's viewpoint, again, listen to me, is not changed on the child in the womb. What has changed is His making a pathway for the adult that hurt that child in the womb. The change is the punishment, not the child. God loves that child, but out of his grace, out of his mercy, out of his compassion, he has made a pathway for you and I so that we can come on to him. God doesn't desire sacrificial animals any longer. I agree. People say, well, there's those that, that, that will get up and say, well, you're trying to say that women need to go back to presenting burnt offerings before the Lord for this. No. God does not desire sacrificial offerings. He does not desire burnt offerings. The kind of sacrifice that God desires is a broken, repentant heart that comes onto him and says, Father, forgive me. Thou shalt not murder. While you were still yet in the womb, I knew thee. If any man take, hits a pregnant woman and takes the life of that child, their lives were of equal value to me. He didn't kill me within the womb because the womb was not supposed to be a grave, but a place of eternal pregnancy. Folks, all those scriptures to me points that God looks at the baby in the womb with love, compassion, and his own. That Roe v. Wade, if they really wanted to argue the rights of all the people involved, should have argued also for the rights of that child. It did not. Now we have a government that by law has aligned itself in that avenue against the throne. And I have to agree with David when he wrote, can you really ally yourself with this? As Christians, we need to stop and ask ourselves, where do we stand? Are we keeping quiet about it? Or are we going to let God's word be known? Praise God that God loves us enough that while we were still deep in sin, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. And please understand, if you're here this morning, you've been through that abortion, or maybe you're watching on YouTube, or, or you, you're listening by radio, or maybe you know a family member, they don't need us to go and shove their face in the ground. They don't need us to talk, tell them how bad they are. They don't need us to hurt them and, and talk ugly to them. You know what they need? They need to know that the one that can alleviate the guilt and the heartache and the pain, is, is his name is Jesus Christ, and he cares for them just as much today as he did before. Yes, his heart's broken, but he still, if we will turn to him, put his arms around us and bring us in. As Christians, we don't need to hold up signs and tell people they're going to burn in hell as much as we need to tell people there's a way to live eternally in heaven. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
If someone's been through that, if you're here this morning, you've been through that, let me tell you that Jesus loves you. And you know, you know, we always talk about the woman, but the men too. You may have you may have paid for it, or you may have pushed it, or whatever the reason the guilt is there. Let me tell you this morning, God says, cast all your anxieties upon Him. Will you do that this morning? If you're here this morning, you've been through that, or maybe you've argued against God for abortion, whatever it may be that's, that's causing the turmoil in your life right now. Understand, abortion is murder. It's disguised today. But if you truly want to ally yourself with God, then you need to look at the child in the womb as God sees the child in the womb. And then not sit around and be quiet, but stand up and speak out. God may not be calling you to cry out from the corner of the roadways. He may not be telling you to go and hold a picket sign. But I'm pretty sure he's not telling you just to walk away from the conversation when it comes up. Ally yourself with God and trust, as the scripture says, he will give you the utterance. And be a voice of reason and a voice of mercy and a voice of grace. And speak back into it and say, you know, I believe that God sees the child in the womb as a viable, powerful, loving life. But he also loves those who have been in a part of taking that life. And he loves you just as much. And if you will turn from those ways and turn back to him, he'll take you right now where you stand. We don't have to be ugly and hateful and militant. But share the love of Christ. You'll know my people by the love they have for one another. He sees the child as a child. He sees abortion as murder but he sees his children as his children too. We need to put all that in our mind and go out into the world and ask ourselves, with whom do I ally myself? This morning, all anyone has to do in here, sin is sin. Whatever the sin may be in your life, all anyone has to do this morning is meaningfully turn their heart from their sin, repent, and say, Father, forgive me. And I don't mean just saying cute words and saying a prayer. I'm not saying you've got to have tears in your eyes. You can just bawl and bawl and still be lost as a goose. If you mean it, if you really want compassion, if you really want the mercy of God, you really want the torment and the guilt to go away this morning of whatever the sin may be. Right now we're speaking of abortion, but whatever that sin may be in your life, you really want that guilt to go away, then cast it, that anxiety, cast it upon the Lord and allow him to move in your life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm sharing with you this morning that that is the number one primary decision you should ever make in your life. For once you do that, you have turned from the past and you're looking to the light. And your life will have a lot more peace. Right then, maybe. But he may also need you to climb out of the hole you've dug yourself in. But the great thing is, He'll carry you out of it as long as you look to him. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's first and foremost. Bob led us in song, I'll fly away. You want to fly away one day? Then put your hands in the hands of Jesus Christ. Because he said that that, that sky is going to break, the trump's going to blow, and the dead in Christ shall rise. Look in 1 Thessalonians if you want to know where that came from and just see how he says that he is going to bring, or is it 2 Thessalonians? 2 Thessalonians, but watch how he's going to bring you together in the air. You want to be a part of that? Accept him today. If you do know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then remember, what did that psalmist say? Can God really ally himself with someone who speaks against, that doesn't hate what he hates? He can. I would say that you're, you're, you're stealing blessings from yourself. Rather than take that chance, say, God, what would you have me to do? And make that stand. Where are you this morning? And please, if you're here today, and you argue the other side, you do believe that it's okay. You believe that abortion is, is all right. Don't just get mad and leave. Let's sit down and let's talk about this. Let's pray about it. I promise you with all my heart that I am coming to you today 
with absolutely no political intentions whatsoever. My full intention of this message this morning that God's laid on my heart is that we see the, the womb as Christ sees the womb. And then go forth and proclaim who we love. Christ or the world democracy. What's your decision? What's your choice? Is up to you at that point. But don't just walk away from the conversation. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. I don't mean to hurt feelings. I just mean to share Christ. And let's pray about it. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. I want us to have a word of prayer this morning. I know the message may seem rather brief, but there's a lot of power here, guys. Thou shalt not murder is a short, short commandment. But man, what a powerful thing it states. Where are you this morning? As we pray. Father God, I come before you and just ask in the name of Jesus that when we leave out of this place, we'll see the lives of the unborn as you see them. That we'll see the womb as you see it. And as Bob presented this morning, Lord God, we'll see our wives and our husbands the way you presented it. So that we can get the family, our relationships, our marriages, our children back where they need to be, Lord God. To teach the next generation that that womb was not created by man for man, but was created by you for your glory. God, I pray your will to be done in the hearts of your people this day. And again, if there's someone here that does not know you, may they step up today and accept you before it's too late. If there's someone hearing this message, Lord God, that for whatever reason is angry, may you put your mercy, your peace upon their heart so that they can sit and think about your scriptures that's been shared today. You said your word does not return void. May your word go forth and produce fruit in the hearts of people this day. May it turn some of us into the warriors you've called us to be. And may it bring peace and guilt and, and take away the guilt of those that need that as well. God, may your word, your will be done in the lives of your people this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, you can come just pray at the altar. You can pray where you're at. Maybe you have dealt with this and you need to share it. You know, I want to share one quick testimony. Many years ago, I'm telling my age now, but many years ago I was a youth pastor outside Magnolia, Texas. And I'll never forget that uh, I was trying to live my life right. I was trying to get Sunday school lessons right. But I was still young enough in the ministry that I was or in, even in God's word, I, I turned my life around, I was trying to live right, but you know, you're still in that position where you're, you're kind of questioning yourself and questioning the things you do, and I, I studied real hard for my Sunday school lesson. I wanted to make sure that I was going to present the Sunday school lesson. If you've ever worked with youth, they can ask incredible questions. So I tried to think I had every question lined out. I had everything going on. I had everything ready for this, this message that, that I was going to present. And I, I had everything done. The youth piled in. We, we, had to, uh, we, all, we, we laughingly called it the closet room because the, the youth always got stuck in the smallest spot. But we, I had youth down the walls and down the table. I had a full room. I'm standing at the end of the table, the end of the hall. I have a little marker behind, board behind me. I, I got everything laid out for my lesson. And I think I said maybe two or three lines about the topic when one of my girls on the side over here, just when I say one of my girls, one of the girls in my group, she, she just said, I had an abortion this week. Just out of the, you know, she just said it and just started crying. Let me tell you that, that my, my lesson that I'd worked so hard on and all that stuff went right out the door. It had no purpose, no meaning anymore to me. And the praise God, all my youth, I say my, they're God's youth, but my, that youth group, surrounded her, prayed over her, loved her, and our message went to what God thought about that child and what he thought about her and let her know that she, she was guilty. She, she wanted to take it back, but it was too late, obviously. 
we shared with her how God still loved her and would pull her through. Those who tell you that they go through abortions and there's no trauma, there's no psychological damage, I'm going to tell you that either they're, they're psychopaths or they're lying. It's there. And it's there because we know it's wrong. Inherently. This morning, guys, I, I would ask you, if God's dealing with you, will you come to this altar? Will you sing? I mean, will you pray? Will you do whatever God's calling you to do? As we sing, guys. Mm-hmm.